Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Grace Atwood. And today is book club. Today is book club. But before we get into that, this episode is brought to you by Night, the makers of our all-time favorite pillow and our favorite silk face mask. You can take 20% off site-wide at discovernight.com with code BADONPAPER. Some exclusions apply. All right. Before we get into this book, should we do a little high and low? I would love that. What was your high this week? My high is that in real lifetime, the Bone Mary Berry trailer came out Tuesday, and it's now Thursday, and I'm so excited that the cat is finally out of the bag, and I can share this with you because I'm bad at keeping secrets, and also we've been working on this for a year, so it feels like old news to me, and I'm so excited to finally let people in on the secret. That it was so good. I'm so thrilled for you guys. Oh, so I'm so excited. And then in in podcast time, by the time this episode comes out, the first episode will be out. It comes out Tuesday, February 22nd. So if you're listening to this and you haven't heard about this yet, um, you can find it anywhere you get podcasts. Um, just search Bone Mary Berry on your podcast app of choice. And this is our newest rom-com pods production, but it is not quite a rom-com. It's kind of a campy murder mystery. And it's deeply inappropriate and hopefully really funny. And yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to hear what people think. I am too. I was looking at your reviews and you already have some some five stars in there. So that was really nice. I think they're just from friends. But yes, I appreciate that. Um, I gave you one. <laughs> oh, thank you. I haven't asked for yes. them yet until it actually comes out. Probably smart. What is your high? I mine's I have like I feel like I'm really neutral this week. I have no real high and no real low. But um I have two trips planned and I'm having a really good time planning my outfits. And then I've been feeling creatively inspired and today I had like an extra half hour and I just sat and looked through photography books, like starting to plan out some fun shoots. I feel like I'm having the opposite experience as you. So I'm going to San Francisco a week from Friday and I'm gonna be there for quite a while. And so I was doing some shopping for some new clothes. I haven't really bought anything this year. And I don't know, like, have you read that Cut article from this week? It was called something about the vibe. There's a vibe switch that's about to happen. I saw it on Instagram. I didn't read it. It basically is about how every, however many years, there's like a big prevailing trend and we're on the cusp of a new one happening. And, you know, you can choose to go with it or to get left behind. And... Um, not advocating that one is better than the other, but I've been doing a lot of online shopping and everything just feels, it feels so 90s. I don't, I'm not into anything. And I'm like, ooh, am I getting left behind on this vibe switch? Oh, I mean, I got left behind a long time ago. I'm fine with that. <laughs> but even <laughs> so just shopping, guess- I'm having trouble finding things that I like. Like I was on ShopBob yeah. and, you know, just playing fantasy shopping, like price is no object, just what do, what do I like? And I was like, I don't like most of this. Oh, interesting. Well, I'll tell you, Tori Birch, this is, I, I don't want to spoil my obsession, but Tori Birch has the best resort wear stuff right now, like really cute swimsuits and cover-ups. I did really well with, where else did I do? Oh, I got a bunch of stuff at Reformation. Oh, I didn't look there. Uh, where else did I, it was Tori Reformation, O'Meal, um, M-I-L-L-E. I feel like you would like her like block printed dresses and stuff. Okay, um, I'll take a look. I've been like, I can't stop shopping. So I'm having the opposite. Switch or no. <laughs> I keep buying things and then I have a huge pile in my living room of returns I need to make. So yeah, where are you going? Um, and wh- Do I know? Oh, 
Probably. I'm going to Anguilla in the beginning of March. I got invited to one of the Auberge resorts on a press trip. So that's going to be super fun. It's all about food. So I was like, oh, I'm in. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What's the other trip? Going to, you know this one, going to Harbor Island for Chastity's birthday. Oh, yeah. So we're shopping for different things. I'm not shopping tropical. I'm just shopping like real life spring clothes, but having trouble. Hmm. I don't know. I'm not, but I, I shop for a living. So maybe that's part of it. I'll have to go check out your recs. What about on the low side? I don't have one. What about you? I am stressed about jury duty. So I told you guys last week that I got that like last notification for jury duty and there was a mail mix up. So I guess I got one before and I have to appear at this one. So it's Wednesday when this podcast comes out, I will be at jury duty. And I'm really stressed because I'm supposed to go to San Francisco on Friday. And um, if I get selected, this will be a real wrench in my plans. And I'm stressed about it. Yeah. I don't like not having control. Civic duty, man. Civic duty. (laughs) But I don't like the uncontrollable piece where usually I would just reschedule jury duty because this is not a good time. However, I do not have that option because apparently I missed the first uh, notice. Oh, gotcha. So. That happened to me once before. It was was like – it was a long time ago because I had just started at Bobo Bar and I think I had moved and I missed the notice and then I got this like really scary mail saying like you have to show up or like you're gonna have to pay this huge fine. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. So send, I don't know, send positive vibes. <laughs> All right. Let's take an ad break before we get into the book. This episode is sponsored by Night, the makers of our all-time favorite pillow, the face mask we reach for most, and today we want to talk to you about their incredible tri-silk pillowcase. So you can use our code BADONPAPER to take 20% off most of Night's amazing beauty sleep products at discovernight.com. So I mentioned that I recently got a Dyson Airwrap, so preserving my blowout has been really top of mind for me lately, and the tri-silk pillowcase is the answer. So it really helps my day two hair look so much better and helps me combat frizz. And I love that it lets me go a second day without using additional heat on my hair. It's truly magic. You can use this with a night pillow or any pillow you already own. And they come in seven beautiful colors, white, gunmetal, navy, sky blue, emerald, blush, and champagne, and black. And they have a hidden zipper closure for a neater look. Also, these pillowcases have the same amazing skin benefits we always talk about with Knight's products. Because silk is non-absorbent, it keeps all of your expensive beauty products where they belong, on your face, rather than soaking into your pillowcase. And since silk is hypoallergenic, it also helps to prevent breakouts. So if you want beautiful day two hair, you've got to check out these pillowcases. Head to discovernight.com and look for the tri-silk pillowcase. And best of all, you can take 20% off with our code BADONPAPER, all one word. This code also works on their pillows, silk face masks, and more. Discovernight.com. Go check them out. So into this book, I gave us more of a, a setup than a plot summary because there were so many clues I couldn't I couldn't encapsulate them all. So, we're just going to give you some like quick color here. Yeah. So Helen and Rachel meet at a birthing class. Helen gives us the impression that she's a little bit uptight, but is playing her pregnancy extra safe as she's had a couple of miscarriages. Meanwhile, Rachel is pretty re- reckless. She's drinking, she's smoking, she's eating all the foods you're not supposed to eat. Helen's a little judgy. But after their first meeting in the class, Helen keeps running into Rachel in her neighborhood in London. And despite her initial hesitation, 
they become friends. So one night, Rachel shows up at Helen's house with a finger-shaped bruises on her neck and asks if she can stay with Helen for a few days. She refuses to talk about what happened, and days become weeks. And Helen's husband is getting pretty frustrated with the unexpected guest. Helen is also starting to be suspicious of Rachel after she finds her husband's laptop hidden in her room. One night at a party Helen's hosting, she discovers all sorts of missing items in a loose floorboard in Rachel's room. They have a big fight, and she asks Rachel to leave. Shortly after that, the police come to the house asking questions about Rachel. Over time, it comes out that nothing Rachel told Helen was true. She wasn't actually pregnant, she didn't live in the neighborhood, and she actually knows Helen's younger brother from work. The police are investigating Rachel's disappearance and suspected murder. So it turns out that Rachel was the victim of a rape that Helen's husband and her sister-in-law, who, by the way, are having an affair, witnessed when they were in college. So after Rachel saw them more recently, she started to blackmail Helen's husband and resultingly stalked Helen and became her friend to unsettle him. In the end, Helen's husband goes to jail for murdering Rachel, but in the very last chapter, we find out that it was actually the sister-in-law who did it, but he took the fall. That was a really good quick summary, I feel like, because a lot happened in the book and there's just so many little plot points and characters and different things. We skipped over some of it and I think we'll have to come back to some of it as we talk more about the book. Yeah, there are a lot of little things. Yeah. So tell me, tell me what you thought about the book. Okay. I really enjoyed this. Um, I think what I liked most about it was everything I read about the book and everything that kind of it had us leading up to having you believe that Rachel was this villain and like this problem, but then she was actually good and she died. So um, I don't know. I thought it was great. I thought there was a lot of good twists. I liked all the weird little dynamics. Like I felt like Helen was a super unreliable narrator. I felt like there was like little things. And then it came out, you know, that Serena was drugging her. I don't want to get too ahead of our discussion, But there were just so many things that all made sense later on. And, like, I loved that. How about you? She's sitting here looking at me through the screen, not looking very happy. I didn't love this. I was bored by it for the most part. I think, first of all, everyone knows this is not my genre. So this doesn't, you know, say much about the book. I don't think I'm a great uh, critic of thrillers. But I think this might be a case where expectations got the best of me and it was so hyped up that I was expecting way more. And then when I got into it, it was kind of, it fell flat. I just felt like the first hundred pages were really boring. Like maybe I would have DNF'd it if I hadn't been reading it for book club. And then the other thing that I didn't like is that it really quickly resolved everything in the last five pages in a letter as opposed to letting you discover it as the reader. And so I felt like the last two chapters of it were really good, and I felt like the rest of it was kind of meh. Interesting. So I think for me, I have a different appreciation of thrillers when they are a little bit slow because I'm like gathering the facts. I'm like being a little detective. My mind's working around the clock. I'm like, what's going to happen? Who's this? I'm like taking notes. And that's like, even though it might be slow, I'm like in the information gathering stage. So it's not slow for me because I'm, I like know something big is going to happen and I want to like catalog all of it. I think I kind of like a thriller or a mystery where you kind of have the shape 
of it at the beginning. Like, for instance, You Are Not Alone from Greer Hendricks and Sarah Pekinen, where, like, you know that their friend died at the beginning. And, like, it's not the whole mystery, but you you have a piece of it. Or, like, in Verity, yeah. where you know that the author has gone into a coma and under mysterious circumstances. Like, I think that I like when I have a little bit of a sh- the shape of it at the beginning as opposed to as opposed to needing to read through 100 pages about somebody's marriage. And I think, too, I might not be a fan more generally of the domestic suspense. Oh, interesting. I like that. Like I, re- I, like, I recently read Reckless Girls, which you didn't love and I really liked, and that was, like, on a desert island. I feel like I might like a thriller better when it isn't a marriage, like, quiet at-home one, but, like, is in a weirder, more exotic circumstance. Yeah. So I, I can understand that. I I actually pr- think I prefer the context of it being at home and like in real life because then it's scarier because it's like this could really happen as opposed to like the island one. Oh, no, that's my nightmare. I want to take myself out of it. I mean, not that I really put myself in this one and it made it didn't make me scared, but I don't like anything where it has to do with like a random freak break in or something, something that I could perceive as happening to me. I wasn't yes. worried with this one. I don't know why. Maybe it was because she was pregnant and they met at a prenatal class or I don't know. I, for whatever reason, I was able to – this one didn't creep me out the same way that some thrillers do. Okay. One thing I also noticed was did you, I read up on the author and her background is investigative journalism. Oh, that's which interesting. I thought explained so much of why the book was written the way that it was. Oh, that's really interesting. I didn't read anything about her. I just know that this is a debut. Yeah, it's her first book, and her background is all in in journalism, especially investigative work. Interesting. Well, let's take another quick ad break. Today's episode is sponsored by Honey Love. They're the shapewear you actually want to wear. So a few months ago, I was seeing these ads on Instagram all the time for Honey Love, and the videos that they were showing were just wild. Like, it looked like a scam. It looked like it was too good to be true, but I tried it, and the hype is real. So I've mostly been home the past month, but... In December, I had a big night out. I went to see the Nutcracker. And the dress that I wanted to wear was a little snugger than I remembered it. So I decided it was a good time to test drive the shapewear shorts that they sent me. And I was so impressed. So they're designed for comfort and looks. So they don't have that like embarrassing flesh-colored granny panty look. And they're made from premium materials with a signature X that targets and sculpts your midsection without squeezing your natural curves. I love that they were comfortable to wear all night and still gave me the smooth look I wanted. And I'm happy to report that they did not have the same rolling issue that I've had with other brands that is so annoying. It's almost worse than not wearing any shapewear at all. But don't just take my word for it. Honey Love has been featured everywhere from the New York Times to Good Morning America to Brides Magazine and has thousands of five-star reviews and they're risk-free. Honey Love covers shipping and restocking to make all U.S. returns completely free. You deserve shapewear you'll actually want to show off. See for yourself at honeylove.com and get 20% off a second item. Plus, when you use code BOP, you'll get an additional 10% off your entire order. Get 20% off your second item plus an additional 10% off at honeylove.com with code BOP. Honeylove.com, code BOP. Rules and restrictions may apply. Okay. My question for you is, did you figure out who did it? Let's talk about theories. Okay, I did not figure out who did it. I I did know who Rachel was. I did know that Rachel was the rape victim from pretty early on was my working suspicion. But How did you know? I didn't, but I just, that was my hunch. 
Okay, because I was thinking originally that maybe she was. The ages didn't add up because it, in my head at least, it felt like Roy, Daniel, and Helen were so much older than Rachel. So I was like, maybe she had an older sister. Maybe it was her mother. Like I was, I just felt like Rachel was several years younger than them all. So it couldn't have been her. So Rachel was 15 when it happened and Helen was just leaving college. So Helen would have been 22. So they were about seven years apart. And I kind of gathered Helen was written as much older than I think she actually was. I only yeah, she think did Helen seem was much around older. 30. And like with the fertility struggles, and I'm not saying that yeah. younger people can't struggle with that. In my head, she just seemed much older. Yeah, I want to f- say at one point there was like one f- like dropped fact in there that she was around 30. Oh, I and think I, was I really remember surprised. that. Okay. Yeah. So I knew that Rachel was the rape victim, but I did not figure out who killed Rachel. So I thought. At one point, I thought that maybe Rory and Daniel together were the rapists. I thought that too. And I thought that maybe it was really quickly mentioned that they were in a play. And I thought that maybe the play was a cover for a secret society and it was like some kind of like ritualistic thing. So that was one of my theories. I thought I was thinking bigger than the actual plot because I was really expecting to be surprised. So I was like, it can't just be like it, it can't be as simple as it was. Yeah. I, I get that. And then at another point, I was very much suspicious of Helen and that she might be faking a hysterical pregnancy and have killed Rachel herself. And the specific reason I thought that was because throughout the book, Helen refers to her mom as mummy, yes. which is possibly the creepiest thing that one can do and made me think she was a bad guy. I agree, but it's a British book, and I feel like mummy is a little more acceptable over there. It is. It totally is, but it makes me think of – I don't know if there's a movie, but it, like, makes me think of, like, a really whiny man boy who's like, mummy. Yes. I think there were so many little bits included throughout that made Helen seem really suspicious and sneaky. Like, she just – because she was just, like, kind of naive and, like, kind of dumb, but also, like – What's the word? I don't know. She just, it just, I got like woman in the window vibes where I was like, I don't think I can believe this woman. So what were your theories? Okay. So like I said, with the, with the age difference thing, I thought that maybe it was Rachel's friend or older sister. I was really certain that it was more than just seeing the rape. I thought that, um, yeah, Rory and Daniel did it. I, I was especially wary of Daniel because Daniel was like Mr. Perfect and was kind of like like the the good guy and it's always the good guy that is the bad guy and it ended up being that way. He did his crime later. But um I was certain that maybe Daniel raped her and that mm. and that Rachel was coming and befriending Helen to get at Daniel. Who did you think did you see Rachel's pregnancy being fake before that was revealed? I did, but then there was times where I thought maybe there was a time where I thought maybe it was real that Daniel was the father. That was a whole another theory I had going on. Like I was like, well, maybe he, like this is more recent. Like what's going on? And Daniel knocked Rachel up, and like, and Rachel wants to like tell Helen. Uh, I didn't see the fake pregnancy coming. I I was more suspicious of Rory than Daniel because of that scene where his secretary recognizes her. Yes. And I was like, oh, yeah, Rory's, Rory definitely knocked her up. But Rory and Daniel worked together, so they would know all the same people. Not necessarily. I assume they have private offices that, like, she could come to see him and not Daniel. 
true. I think they were trying. I just, I guess, as a person who likes thrillers a lot, I was like, oh yeah, she's gonna make it look like it's Daniel. I mean, Rory, but it's Daniel. Daniel's the bad mm. one. Mm. Let's talk about Helen because Helen was. I didn't like her, but she was an interesting character. I don't think we would be friends with Helen. Well, no, definitely not. I, I don't know. So there were a couple things that struck me about Helen. The first thing is that she asked Rachel literally zero questions when they were getting to know each other. Yes. Like Helen was low key a shitty person. I also thought that there was a really interesting dynamic with the dissonance of being in Helen's head where Helen seemed pretty normal, Helen seemed, like, boring but fine, and then the perception of her by others, like, especially Serena, where it was clear that everyone kind of disliked Helen and she was, like, the tag-along friend. And it made me feel really self-conscious almost, where it was like, oh, God, like, you think everything's normal in your head and then everyone else is like, oh, Helen. Yeah, That is so true. Like you could, the way that we all see the world from our own perspectives, like it's, everything is great. Like we're all the main character in our own stories, but like, yeah, who knows what everyone else thinks? Yeah. I also thought that another misleading thing about Helen was her obsession with Serena. Yes. And when she buys the same necklace as her and Daniel's like, oh, not again. Mm -hmm. And I, that also made me think that there was something maybe like, evil about Helen. Helen had all the like characteristics of a thriller protagonist. Like this is where I am drawing the line, the comparison to the girl on the train, because it's like the same thing. Like you don't really like her. You think maybe she could be lying. You think maybe she could kill. You think she's kind of creepy. You start out thinking she's totally normal and like a nice just a nice girl. And then as it goes on, you're kind of like, ooh, this person like is low-key awful. So that's one of the, I think that's something that I liked about the girl on the train and that I liked about this. Yeah, I kind of, once Rachel disappeared, I, I kind of let go of Helen as a suspect for the most part because she seemed like such a dummy with the police, yeah. not in a way that she was covering her tracks, but in the way that she was just like, truly had no idea what was going on. Yes, but she was being drugged all along. So now, so when I not all along, wasn't she just drugged one night? No, she was drugged a few times by Serena. Oh, I didn't realize it was a few times. I only thought it was at the party. I'm pretty sure. I, I, I hope I'm not wrong here, but I feel like it was mentioned that she drugged her a few times. Oh, so then it made me think maybe Helen's not that dumb. Maybe she's not that unreliable. She's just like being drugged. Yeah. 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 I thought Rachel was way more interesting than Helen. When we were reading Helen's stories, when it was just Helen at home, I was like, oh. Yeah. I mean, I felt bad for her. I didn't love that. I thought Rachel was really interesting. And I know that this wouldn't work from the story, but I like wanted to be in her head because clearly, even though she was the victim here, both in the original rape, but then also that she got she got murdered. I was like, oh, there's something uh, there's something ticking up there, too, because she was, like, fearlessly blackmailing Daniel. Yes. Yes. I, like, wish we got to hear from inside her head. No, I would have liked that. 
I, I, I really enjoyed Rachel as a character. And again, like going back to like thriller tropes, I really love when you think that a character is bad and then not only are they good, but they also die. And you just feel so guilty for thinking they were bad all along. Like I felt, mm. I really felt for Rachel. I was like, man, like they made me hate her. And then it turns out she was good and she had to die. And she went through a horrible rape. Like poor Rachel. Poor Rachel. Um, yeah. Did you judge her at all in the beginning? Not really. It didn't seem like, it definitely seemed like she was less cautious than Helen, but Helen seemed uptight. Yeah, Helen seemed so dramatic. Nothing she did seemed outwardly awful. Where like, I, I guess I've never been pregnant. I have no factual basis for this, but I know a lot of my girlfriends have read, I can't remember the name of the book. There's like this new book where it's like the scientist debunks a lot of the recommendations for pregnancy. And, you know, like, she has one drink in the first scene with her when she's at the prenatal class. And, like, she's smoking, but she says she's cut way down, which I'm sure is not good for you. She, like, eats deli meat at one point. But she's not, like, it didn't seem like she was binge drinking at any point. Like, it didn't seem like she was fully endangering the baby in a way that I was like, oh. Yeah. It was just like, oh, different age, different, like, risk profiles. I don't know. I definitely thought she was like seemed she kind of seemed like Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman where she was like the lower class one who was like, I don't know. I didn't I didn't judge her that hard to do. No, I I was just like I felt like my like little detective self was like something's up. Like, I don't think she's pregnant. Mm, No, no. I just thought she was being reckless. I didn't think that she was not pregnant. When did you realize that she was dead or that something bad had happened? I did not realize that she was dead until she was, like, discovered dead. I really thought that Rachel had a plan and that she was gaming everyone. Because she was such, like, a scammer, too, that I really thought that Rachel had just – she had another move. She went away to – because I wasn't sure what her involvement was with Helen. Yeah. So I was like, this is bothering Helen even more than when she was living with her. Like, Helen's going nuts. Yes. So – I did not think that Rachel was dead until, like, they actually got down into the basement and saw the blood, and I was like, oh, Rachel's dead. Yeah. I thought she was just, like, waiting on her next move. Yeah. What about you? I am with you on that. I knew something was up at the party, but I definitely wasn't thinking it was a murder. Um, I just, I, I wasn't really sure, but I, I was very convinced up until, like, she was dead <laughs> that she was doing something bad or, like doing something secretive to like, I don't know what, like that she was going to, she was going to expose Daniel and Rory for whatever it was that they had done. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't talk about Katie or Charlie in our kind of summary. So Katie's Helen's friend who is a reporter who's working on another current rape case that has a lot of similarities to Rachel's. And then Charlie is Katie's boyfriend and also Helen's youngest brother. Yes. What did you think about them? I think she was actually probably my favorite character. Like she was definitely. Yeah, she was the best of them. Yeah, she was the most likable, like probably the one that we would want to be friends. Like Serena was kind of a bitch. Helen was kind of awful. And Katie seemed like level-headed and normal and had a good job and like a good head on her shoulders. I also got to say like, The author's name is Catherine, journalism background. Katie's an investigative journalist. Is Katie Catherine? Maybe. Yeah, I also liked that 
Katie, it seemed like Serena was just like really distasteful about Helen, but Katie was like, we've been friends forever. She like kind of felt guilty about yeah. being like, oh, Helen is who Helen is. Like she's kind of annoying. Everyone has that wet blanket friend. Yeah. And like she she felt more three-dimensional, I guess. Yes, I agree. I also really wanted her to end up with the detective at the end. Oh, I was thinking the detective was like 60. Oh, really? I thought the detective was like, I don't know, like older than her. But we're having some problem with ages in this book. (laughs) I thought the detective was in his like 60s because at one point he mentions being semi-retired. And so, and I think at the very end, it's mentioned that he has gray hair. So I think I just put together that he was, in my head, older. Oh, interesting. Damn it. He didn't seem like a, a romantic prospect for her. I need to go back and reread the end because I know Serena was like thinking he was cute like at the bar. Yeah, but she was also looking for like a gold digger like yes, she was. older husband relationship. True, true. So maybe so he was like good for that age bracket. So maybe he's too old for her, but I don't know. I want Katie to get her happy ending. I didn't want her with Charlie. Charlie seemed like not great. Charlie seemed shady. Yeah, he seemed like the like younger like drug dealer brother. Yeah, like, he was shady, not in a way that I really thought that he murdered Rachel, but I was like, get your life together, Charlie. Yeah, I just wanted to, like, he was, like, the young, the classic kind of, like, young little brother that, like, can't get his shit together. Yeah, like the screw up. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess we, we were going to talk about the men, but I think we sum- summarized it all. Because, like, I felt like Rory was irresponsible and reckless. So naturally, we would all assume that Rory was the criminal there. Meanwhile, Daniel was, like, so perfect on paper. One thing I thought was wild was that Danny and Serena had been having this affair for so long, like, dating back to college. I guess that kind of made sense. Because when I didn't, I didn't think that Daniel was guilty at first, I thought that Rory had knocked up Rachel, and I thought that Rory was definitely guilty, and maybe Daniel was just, like, guilty by association. But he was such a shitty husband. Like, his wife was, like, about to give birth, and he's like, I'm working late every night this week, or, like, I'm going to be gone. Mm -hmm. He kept leaving her where I was like, what's his deal? Where I thought that maybe there was definitely the implication that something had happened financially. And I thought maybe he was like in really dire straits with finances that he'd like sunk the business and nobody else knew but him. Yeah. But he was such a bad husband that until he was an accomplice to a murder, I was like, who, how are you going to redeem this guy? Because he seems awful. Yes, I would agree with that. (laughs) All right. What about the ending? So in the very end, Serena gets caught by the police officer, although we don't really know that she she got caught, but like it kind of is open for interpretation. I thought it was implied. It was implied, but I thought it was interesting. So I was going through all the Goodreads reviews of this book and I saw like under questions, it's like, I don't understand what happened. And I, I was like, this person like clearly like wasn't paying attention or whatever. And then a lot of people replied to that person and it seemed like a lot of people didn't assume that Serena was caught. Oh, that's interesting. It's also interesting that maybe you and I are not the closest readers because at the end of Verity, I know a lot of people have taken issue with the fact that they were like, what? I can't remember exactly, but like we didn't think of one thing and people were like, oh my God, how did you not see that? And we were like, "Mm." yeah. So I, it seems like a lot of people are like, no, the ending was very open. Oh, I didn't think that. I thought that it was like that this this was the detective's cold case from mm-hmm. 15 however many years ago. And 
it it was like still in the back of his mind and he was going to solve it. And he went and figured out what was going on. And he like nabbed Serena. That's what I thought too. But then I was looking at the Goodreads reviews and I was like, huh, maybe I, maybe I missed something. So I didn't like the end. I, I did not like, okay. So first of all, I did not like the letter. So the book opens with a letter and it's somebody writing to Helen from jail saying, and you don't know who was writing it at the beginning, and they're basically like, I'm going to tell you what happened. And the way the letter was written was so flowery. It was not the way that anyone would write a letter, even less so knowing that it's a man and that Daniel wrote the letter. And so then at the end, the second to last chapter, or like the third to last chapter, you get the rest of the letter where Daniel tells you what happened. And I didn't like the device of the letter, the way it was written. And I I told you before, I don't like when a book so like neatly wraps everything up in five pages instead of letting you discover the clues. Like I feel like there were hints that backed it up, but like you couldn't have known what happened without Daniel's letter. And I was like, ugh. And then with Serena, yeah, it was like a twist on a twist. But I was like, I don't even fully understand her motive or what she's doing right now. It was like she's somewhere beachy. I'm not sure I ever picked up where she was at the end, just somewhere beachy, like with her daughter, like trolling for men. And I was like, what's your plan? I liked the ending. I do think that the letter was a little lazy. That's my only complaint. Like it's kind of a lazy way to wrap it all up. But um, I did not think they were going to be able to wrap it all up. I had a list. I made a list in my phone because I already decided I didn't like the book. It was slow. If it take, it took a hundred pages to like heat up at all, and I was already a little mad at the book. And I had like a full list going. I was like the passport with the with the face cut out, the laptop, the necklace. Like I was like here, the the letter to Rory. Like, I was like, here are all the things they need to wrap up. And I didn't think that they could do it in the, in the last 10 pages or however much book was left. I, um, yeah, that's so, I love that you, you and your list. I, I, I liked the ending. Oh, I was like, I was ready to be yeah. outraged. Yeah. The, I think that the lit letter is a little bit of a lazy way to wrap everything up, but I, I still really enjoyed the book. Here's the one thing that didn't get wrapped up for my list that maybe you can explain to me. Or maybe it just didn't get wrapped up. So there's a chapter while Rachel is missing before Helen goes into labor where they go to Serena's art opening and it is explained that Serena and Rory had been in Italy and Katie's like, oh, that's weird. And Helen's like, they got some private doctor to sign her off. And she's remarks that she's tan. So it seems like she actually did go to Italy and it, Italy never comes back. And I and then after reading the very end, I was like, it seems like they actually did go to Italy. And like, why would Serena go to Italy with her husband that she's cheating on and hates and is like trying to defraud? Like, why would she go to Italy with him? The only thing I can think of is to like keep him happy and like keep him from asking any questions. But I don't know. It seemed like such an unnecessary detail at the end where it was like, it could just be like, we've been busy. We haven't seen each other. And I was like, why did they say they were in Italy? Maybe a listener can explain it. Maybe somebody else picked up on something I didn't. It might have. Because I'm not fully sure it's a plot hole. Yeah, it might have been put in there just as like, a, um, I think a lot of times with thrillers, they throw these like little wrenches in to just like throw us off. Yeah, that was the only thing on my list that was not explained, right? I was like, what are you doing in Italy, bitch? You're, you're nine months pregnant. 
Yeah. Because it was explained also that to be in this prenatal class, you were all giving birth in the same month. So it was like, Helen's about to go into labor. Helen's two weeks late. So it's like Serena has to be about full term. Yeah. I'm not. So it's like, why are you in Italy? I, I don't know. And I wish I, 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 I just mailed my copy to my aunt because I love the book so much. So I can't go back and look at it. But I don't know. Maybe a listener will have will have something because I was I was finishing it last night and I didn't go back to the Italy chapter, but I was like, that was the one thing on my list I couldn't resolve. Yeah. Everything else. I didn't really feel like the passport was satisfactorily resolved for me. No, that too. That was the thing that stood out to me. I was like, where did, why was this important? Why did this happen? Yeah. It was brought up again though. Like they tried to close it out. I I just wasn't totally clear what happened where it was like they put her photo in and like tried to pass herself off as Helen for the sake of mortgage, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, so here's what I want to know from you. So you said, and I'm not trying to yuck your yum here. Like this wasn't for me, but this, I'm not, that's not to say this is a bad book or it's not for anyone. But you said that you thought that this was going to be like the next gone girl, the next girl on the train. Like what elements for you make that kind of like explosive, everyone's reading it blockbuster thriller? First of all, nothing will ever be Gone Girl because the way that Gone Girl did that, it just like was the first book I ever read with like such an explosive twist where I was like, what the fuck? Where your head like spins around. But I thought this was a lot like Girl on the Train. And I don't... I didn't read that one. I don't really know how to articulate it. It just like got like a little, like some kind of a, a it factor for me. And I think that it needs to have something that hasn't been already done before. And I thought that the way that we were just led to believe that Rachel was so terrible and then it turned out that not only was she good, she she died. Um, I thought that was something new. I love an unreliable narrator. I think that is just that usually makes for a great book because the whole time you're reading it, you like can't trust the person telling you the story. So your mind has to work even more over time. And I think that the pacing of the twist is really important. Like you need like something like midway through and then like at least one more twist toward the, towards the end. I don't know. I just really enjoyed this book, and I felt like it was different from a lot of other thrillers I've read. It kept me on my toes the whole time. I felt like I was second-guessing the narrator, second-guessing myself, and I, I like to feel like that like unstable re- feeling while you're reading where you're like, where is this going? I must stay up all night to figure it out. Yeah, I really, I really loved it. I'm so glad. <laughs> yes, I feel like that. I'm, I feel bad that no, I don't like it more. It's fine. There's plenty of romance books that you you read and I don't like, so we're never going to yeah. agree on everything. But I appreciate you reading this with me this month. I really, because of course I liked it, and I know other people did because I I always get nervous like in the Facebook group, and then also like a lot of my influencer friends have been reading it and they liked it. So I would have checked this out anyway because there was so much buzz around it yeah. that I would have just wanted to know what it was what the hype was. So I would have gotten sucked into this vortex regardless. Yeah. So let's take one last ad break. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. And, you know, we've both been thinking a lot about goals and intentions for this year. And, um, you know, maybe you want to be a little less stressed. Maybe you want some help setting boundaries with somebody in your life. Maybe you just want to talk to someone and get an unbiased opinion. And in any of these cases, BetterHelp has licensed professional counselors who might be able to help. If you're looking to pinpoint or address anything that's interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, BetterHelp could be a great tool. 
Yes, and they make it so easy. So the first thing you do is you go online and you fill out their questionnaire that assesses your needs. They ask you about your age, your relationship status, your past experience with therapy, and what you're looking to address, and then they match you with your own licensed professional therapist in under 24 hours. Then you get to choose how you want to interact with them. You can message them anytime, no scheduling needed, or you could have phone or video sessions, whatever works best for you. Something we really love is that they have counselors who are specialized in specific issues like stress, anxiety, relationships, parenting, addictions, eating, sleeping, trauma, family conflicts, LGBT matters, self-esteem, and more. All told, they have over 20,000 licensed professional therapists in their network. And what's great is that they're committed to facilitating great matches. So if your first therapist isn't a fit, they'll make it free and easy to switch if you need to. And anything you share is always confident. Best of all, it's more affordable than traditional online counseling, and financial aid is available. We want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash badonpaper. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash badonpaper. All right, should we get to some end matter? Yes, please. Looks like neither of us have an Instagram. You previewed your obsession, but tell me more. Yeah, so shopping for my vacation, I was on the Tory Burch website, and Mary Hafner has had some really great swimsuit recommendations. And one of those swimsuits she had recommended is just this black one-piece with um, – it, it's just like an underwire top and like – thin straps. It's very cute. And I had bought it and I love it. And I bought that a couple months ago. And it's just like a very good, basic, cute swimsuit. But they have it in a whole bunch of new patterns. And I got a pink floral one, which I love. And then they have so many good um, sarongs, like a a pareo, um, like wraps. And I like my favorite beach look is a one piece with like a cute wrap around it. And like, I feel covered up. I feel cute. I can like go sit at the bar and have a margarita, then go back into the sun and read my book. So I got a really great wrap. I got a really beautiful swimsuit, very cute dress, some fun sunglasses. I was just like, Tori is like getting my summer slash vacation vibe. It's very like slim errands, like Beverly Hills Hotel. And I'm here for it. I'll have to go check that out. This would not be somewhere that was on my usual shopping rotation. I'm a big fan of Tori. Like I, I, I'm still traumatized, not traumatized. That's not the right word. But I think back to the Miller flats, like where, which I had when I first moved to New York, like 15 years ago. And it was, they were like a big purchase for me. Cause I was in my, oh, I was in my early mid twenties, like 25. And, you know, spend $200 on a pair of flats was like a really big deal. And I wore them until they smelled like I wore them so much, but like there are certain logos that just feel really dated. And for me, they were like a status symbol. Yes. For me, the, the Tory logo still feels a little dated when I see those tees, but I love her clothes. I just think that she's got some really, really good stuff right now. I just think of Tory Burch as a little too preppy for me. But I know with Tory Sport, there's definitely like some less preppy stuff. So yeah. I'm I'm gonna have to check it out. Big fan. So I do not have an obsession, but I do have a timely topic. So I would <laughs> like to cede my obsession time to talking about inventing Anna. Oh my god! Which I know you had. A, I wrote this before you had a tirade about this last night on Instagram. So now I know what you think, but I want to talk about it. Also, oh, it was such a letdown. As as far as spoilers go, I'm only five episodes in, so like don't spoil the ending for me. Okay. So I finished it last night. I just felt like 
this could have been a movie and it would be so much better. It was so long. It's, it was long. I agree. Anna's accent was so grating. I asked a couple – I a girl who I'm friends with here actually met her a couple times in New York. I was like, did she talk like that? And she was like, no, it was a little bit dramatized. She – Oh, interesting. I read an article that was talking about how Julia Garner worked with an accent coach for like months. Oh, my God. Because this is how – Anna spoke because that was my first inclination to her. I was like, oh, this was really like cheesy and grating. But mm-hmm. then I read an article saying that this was, I guess, supposedly how she sounded and that made it okay for me, I guess. It's not my fave, but I was like, oh, okay. If it's like realistic. Yeah. I don't want to give too much away. I just felt like it glorified her behavior. I felt like it was really like long and drawn out. I didn't really like any of the characters. Um, I just was let down. I think this was kind of like you said about this book, a case where I was so freaking excited. Like it's like Shonda Rhimes. You and I had read both read every single article. We both read my friend Anna, Rachel's book. We were just like we were addicted to this and we were. So I had been looking forward to it for like a year. Like whenever they announced that she was doing this, I was like, I am excited. I am ready. And I felt like it was disappointing. Um, I will tell you, I have a lot of friends down here who just weren't plugged into all this. Like, I think living in New York, we were so plugged in. And it was, like, such a um, timely thing. I mean, it was on the cover of New York Magazine, all the things. But a lot of my Charleston friends were like, whoa, this is crazy. Are you watching this show? It's so amazing. And I was like, oh, (laughs) So I'm somewhere in between, I guess. I don't I don't disagree with a lot of your feedback. We're very misaligned this episode. Um, <laughs> I don't disagree with a lot of your feedback, but I, I'm still enjoying it. So I do – it's too long. And also the episodes are a full hour, not like a network TV hour, like a scandal 40 minutes hour. Yeah. Like it should have been 30 to 40 minute episodes, I feel like. It's hard. It's hard to binge. Yes. And so I've been watching like one or two episodes at a time, but – if I tried to watch more than that, I feel like I would totally be like, I'm bored. This sucks. So I do agree. It's too long. Could have been a three-hour movie, like House of Gucci. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely could have been shorter. Um, but I'm enjoying it. So it feels very Shonda Rhimesy. I love Shonda Rhimes. Yes. Uh, like the, Wait, the what do you think about the fact that part of it? so many people from Scandal are in it? Love it. Love it. I love it. Like, I love that Shonda I just love gives that. no fucks yeah. and is like, I'm just recycling all my favorite actors. Yes. Also, the boyfriend who is Chase in it, I was, the whole time I was watching it, I was like, why does this guy look so familiar? How do I know him? Why does he look so familiar? He was the guy who was almost Rami in Showman's. We were auditioning him for. We met him a bunch oh of times. Oh my god, he looked so. He looked familiar to me he too. He was good. Um, he was hot. I liked him. He's super hot. Yeah, he was. He was great when he was auditioning too. We thought he was British and he wasn't, and he did such a great accent. He's really talented. Anyway, I um, one of the things I really like about the show is that I like that it's going into a lot of her time before the hotel because I feel like a lot of the stories focused on once she got to mm-hmm. what's the name of the hotel in real life is it the blonde no or is it the restaurant that was what was cracking me up it was the hotel was called 11 Howard but it, 11 Howard in the show is 12 George <laughs> yes 11 Howard yes um and isn't the is the blonde what is the blonde is that their Lake it Cuckoo used to be is there? the um was the restaurant hmm. Anyway, I'm not sure about the blonde. Maybe that was an old hotel that was there before this. Anyway, I like that it covered it covers more before she got to the hotel. So like I didn't know any of the stuff and I don't even know if it's true. Uh, the stuff with the older woman 
and like the stuff with the fire festival guy and like her in the Anna Delvey foundation. Like I didn't know as much about that. So I did find it like new and interesting. I'm a little less entertained by the newsroom piece. Oh my God. Do you feel like Anna Chomsky, who's Vivian in it, is kind of doing an impression of like a very charactery version of Elizabeth Holmes, the journalist? That is so funny because I felt like she was doing a very charactery impersonation of Steph, Steph McNeil, the journalist. And I feel that Steph and her look a little bit alike, not super alike, but like I was like, this feels like it's like an impersonation of Steph. I thought it was Elizabeth Holmes and I wanted to I wanted to send her a message and be like, do you do you feel this way, too? But she has COVID right now. So I didn't want to, like, impinge on her. Yeah. Mental health, because I feel like she's a little overwhelmed. I didn't want to tell Steph because, like, she writes about influencers. And what if that pissed her off? Like, (laughs) But I felt like it was Elizabeth Holmes. And then I felt um, like it was Steph. That's so funny. I'm not actually bothered by the fact that it glorifies Anna. I I saw your I read some of the articles that you posted and I I hear what you're saying. I guess I think it just makes interesting tension where I feel like it's clear enough in the present timeline when she's in jail that she's clearly a sociopath. Yeah. Like it's very clear that she's a bad person. It's very clear that she's guilty. And it's very clear that she's like not like she's lying. And so then I kind of like that in the past you're rooting for her anyway. Like I thought it was just an interesting dichotomy, like interesting whatever. I don't know how it ends. So like maybe something makes you feel that way towards the end versus like in the earlier episodes. But I'm like, I kind think it's kind of interesting that it's like glorifying her. I think the last few episodes, there was not all of it. Like the, I don't want to say like the court cases, definitely not. But um, then that's not a spoiler. But I felt that the last few episodes did kind of, they were very sympathetic to her. They made Rachel look really bad. They, I just feel like they were, they went a little easy on her and did glorify it a little. Interesting. Okay. So I am, the episode I watched last night was episode five. So it's the first episode where she gets to the hotel. So I'm like not there yet. So I'll have to give an update once I finish, but I'm enjoying it. Also, I'm really upset because I heard that Bel Air is trash and I was really looking forward to that. Oh, that's too bad. I didn't I don't think I'm going to watch it. I, it doesn't seem like something I need to watch, but um it looked so good to me from the preview, but the reviews like panned it. Oh, that's too bad. The Super Bowl ad for it looked good. I don't Yeah, know. I feel like the trailer looked great. Yeah. Um But yeah, so I don't know where I'm going after this one, but I need to finish Discovery of Witches. But I'm enjoying um inventing Anna. I'm not like I'm not as negative as you, but I guess I'm not as positive as your Charleston friend. So I'm like somewhere in the middle. I mean, I watched, I literally watched the whole thing. Like, so I enjoyed it enough to, but I wanted to keep, I wanted to know. It was entertaining at times. Like, I loved seeing her outfits and stuff. I just was like, ooh, mm-hmm. this, is, this is bad. And it was so long. Like, make it a three-hour movie and I would have enjoyed it much more. Yeah, I do agree that it was a little too drawn out. And just the type of story that it is and the type of storytelling that it is, I feel like it's really hard to watch a full hour versus like scandal. A network TV hour is actually 40 minutes and it like goes a lot quicker. Yes. Should we talk about books? Yes, please. What did you read this week? So in addition to Greenwich Park, which I read this week because I wanted to read it as close to book club as possible. So my thoughts were fresh out of the oven. I also read this book called The Unsinkable Greta James by Jennifer E. Smith, and that comes out on March 1st. And Jennifer E. Smith, 
I'm aware of her, but I've never read one of her other books, I don't think. She's a YA author, and this is her first adult book. Oh, cool. And the premise of this is that a indie rock star, I was kind of picturing like Florence from Florence and the Machine. Okay. Um, who's like very famous in certain circles, goes on an Alaskan cruise with her father. So her mother has recently died, and they were her mother and father were supposed to go on a Alaskan cruise for their anniversary, and she ends up going instead with him. And they have kind of like a contentious relationship. So there's a lot of father-daughter dynamics of like miscommunication, misunderstanding there. And there's also a love story where she meets, or not a love story, but like a love interest story where she meets a guy on the on the cruise as well. Um, and I really enjoyed this. I thought it was really good. I kind of don't know how to describe it or classify it. Like it's kind of a family story. It's kind of a romance. It's like, I don't know. It kind of defied categorization, but I really enjoyed it. And also made me want to go to Alaska, which is somewhere that I've never had any desire to go to. Oh, interesting. So I liked that. And then I'm currently um, about 80 pages into One Italian Summer by Rebecca Searle, which comes out also on March 1st. And Rebecca Searle is one of my favorite authors. She wrote In Five Years, which we did for book club, and we loved. And I'm not sure where I fall on this one yet. It is about a woman whose mother has just died. And her mother had taken a trip to Italy in her late 20s that was very formative for her. And so her daughter goes on the same trip to Italy to, like, help her mourn her mother and feel closer to her. Um, And so where I am in the book, she's just gotten to Italy. So I'm not quite sure what's going to happen yet. It definitely feels, if you're looking for a wanderlusty book, like the descriptions of Italy, she's in the Amalfi Coast. Like, it sounds incredible. But I'm not quite sure where I'm going to come down on this book because I don't really know how I feel about the main character. She's very, like uptight in a way that I'm finding a little grating. Rebecca Searle does uptight characters really well. She does. And I think that in in five years, Bella really softened Danny. Yes. Who was also a similarly uptight character. Yes. And so I'm waiting to see if this character, Katie, has a foil that helps to soften her. Okay. What about you? What have you read this week? So I have not been a very good reader this week. Well, I will tell you, I finished listening to The Dutch House with Tom Hanks as the narrator and cannot recommend this enough. I think The Dutch House would probably be too literary for me and I wouldn't enjoy it because it's a longer book. It would it takes a long time to get into. But with Tom Hanks telling the story, he's basically like acting it out and it just makes it so, so good. And I, I feel like bad being critical of something like this book. Like Ann Patchett is such a gifted writer, but sometimes her books are just a little too sleepy for me. Then I'm also listening now on Scribd. I'm listening to The Other Black Girl, which I know you didn't love. I am not- Another slow burn. I heard that this one gets really weird. Um, Yep, it does. I'm not to where it's weird yet. I'm just enjoying the dynamic between the girls in the office. And this is really well done as an audiobook because it has, I think it has three different actresses doing the reads. So, um, oh, you know, I like a multicast audiobook. Yes. So it feels like a performance almost more than a book. And I'm enjoying it. But I'm just weary because, first of all, so many of my, re- my, blog readers told me to read it. So I know that it has to be enjoyable. But you really came down on this a little bit hard. I think at one point it was going to be a book club pick and you were like, no, we can't have that. It's, 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 I didn't like it. I didn't. I, I was not primed for the twist. And you know, like in what was Laura Hankins book, A Special Place for Women, there's a huge twist in it. And I loved that. 
And for whatever reason, this twist didn't, I like, I wasn't along for the ride with it. So I didn't love it. And I felt the first half of the book was really, really slow. So I really like what the book was trying to say about the tokenization of Black people and Black women in publishing. Mm-hmm. But I just felt like it took a little too long to get going. And then where it went, I was like, oh. Maybe for slower books, the key is to have it be an audiobook that is like read by actors and, or and actresses. Because I've enjoyed the first half of the book so much. But I'm scared that I'm going to hate the twist. So... I guess I'll report back next week. Keep me posted. Um, and then in, in paper books, I am reading Beautiful Little Fools by Jillian Cantor. And this came highly recommended by Ashley Spivey. So I, I literally just had lunch with Ashley Spivey before we started recording this uh, episode and got an earful about reading this book. So I also got an earful while I was in New York and ordered it. And it was waiting for me when I got back. So this is a, what I'm understanding, I have only read like a couple chapters. It's a retelling of Gatsby, but from the perspective of the woman in the book. And I am enjoying it so far, but I haven't read enough to give a full opinion. So I will probably check this out because Ashley um, said the magic words to me in that she compared it to a sky painted gold. She said the writing felt a lot like that and like the story felt like that. And I was like, okay, I'll read it. Well, a spy. Not that I, I, I trust Ashley implicitly. Yeah. I, I love her taste in books, but um, a sky painted gold had very much a Gatsby feel to it. Mm-hmm. I'll read anything if you, if you're like, it's like Gatsby. It's about Gatsby. I'm like, I'm in. Sign me up. So, um, I don't know. I, I can't. I'm like so excited about this book, and I want to talk about it. But I've been a slacker, and I have, I've been listening to this audiobook and watching Inventing Anna. <laughs> so. That's what we read. But if you are looking for another book rec, Grace, do you want to yes. drumroll, introduce our, our March book pick? So Becca's been letting me pick the books this month and last month. Well, it's your last. I know. So this is going to be my last. You felt really passionately yes. about February. And then this one, it's your last month. So you get to pick, of course. This is my last book club ever. I mean, maybe I'll come back as a guest and talk about a book with you guys sometime. But We are reading Black Cake by Charmaine Wilkerson. And this is my favorite book in a really long time. It is, um, it was pitched as historical fiction, but I would say that it's um, contemporary fiction about two estranged siblings who, what happens is their, their mother dies and all she leaves them is a traditional Caribbean black cake, which we need to have black cake. I need to eat it at some point. Oh, we should do it while we record the episode. We should try it. It's going to be hard to make. We need to buy it somewhere. Oh, okay. Oh my God, I totally lost my train of thought. So their mother leaves them an eight-hour voice recording and this cake. They think that they've had this totally normal upbringing by totally like square peg parents. And it turns out that her mo- their mother has had this whole entire life that they have no idea about. It's so fun. It's twisty. It's clever. It's beautifully written. At times, it's really, really sad. At times, it's funny. I loved this book. I thought it was so well written. I thought the character d- development was incredible. The storytelling was epic and I'm just like I can't wait to read this with you guys like I loved this book I'm really excited about this one so hopefully you like this I feel good I like a family saga book yeah usually more more so than uh a thriller well it's it's a great book so that's all we got for you guys so pick up this book come join us in the Facebook group on on Instagram we're bad on paper podcast I'm on Instagram at Grace Atwood 
I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman, and my new scripted fiction podcast, Bone Mary Berry, is out wherever you get podcasts, and I would love for you to check out the first episode. Yes, and my blog is thestripe.com. I also have an email newsletter that comes out every Friday, so be sure to sign up for that. The link is in my Instagram bio. See you next week. Bye. 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 